This is In the Unknown. Today I'm speaking with Ellen Rudd. So I, I really would love to ask first how you define the unknown. What does the unknown mean to you? Um, the unknown is maybe a state of being or the unknown is like the, the unforeseen. It's the, it's the chaos that just like exists all around us that we think we have uh, an understanding of, but we really maybe don't. Hmm. Um, I think that like humans are just a collection of stories that we tell ourselves to give us a sense of place and belonging and understanding, like stitching together potentially uh, disparate experiences to create and craft a narrative. Um, but those might be arbitrary, hmm. you know? Hmm. So I think the unknown is is all the other stuff, hmm. maybe. So since the unknown seems to be chaos and stories and all the things that probably take away from inner control, uh, let me start with my knowns of you um, so that everybody feels like we're on the same playing field. I met you first at a coffee shop in West Village in Detroit, and I remember walking away feeling so alive and excited about creativity hmm. and hearing your story and hearing the way that your mind works within the creative world but also as a even though we talked about this about being a, a woman in the hmm. creative field it gave me this kind of oomph of like oh I can I can go out and create too um, but also there was this this kind of shining light and positivity and optimism and um, something that makes made me gravitate towards you. But I think w what makes a lot of people gravitate towards what you create. So that was our kind of initial meeting. And um, then you attended one of my workshops. And of course, I messaged you after and just said, you don't really need stuff like this because you're so open to you were so open to the unknown um, and placing yourself in uncomfortable situations. But what I often bring up, and I hope you don't mind me sharing, is what you wrote in the Bull Trust. And one of your questions in the Bull Trust was, "Have you ever, or when was the last time you peed your pants?" <laughs> and I just love that, and I bring that up almost in every single workshop mm. because people take themselves and life so seriously. And throwing in that ounce of humor in there was just what that particular workshop needed, and most of them do. And then finally, my last encounter with you was at a party that I threw here, also within the community of the unknown, um, and you attended with your boyfriend. Um, and seeing the love between the two of you in the way that you choose to love was also very inspiring for me because it proved that love doesn't have to be necessarily conventional it can be what you want it to be as long as you c communicate and allow your partner um, to hear you and to reciprocate what it is that you need so those are my knowns of you 
I obviously know that you're an artist and I've seen your artwork and I follow you on Instagram. Um, but I don't know much more than that. Mm. So that's where I stand. Mm. Um, those are my knowns. Um, I suppose maybe it's fair for me to ask what your knowns are about me. Sure. Um, my knowns about you are that um, we grew up in s- like neighbor suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we actually first met on the internet, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. on Instagram, which is uh, a strange way that I actually meet a lot of people these days, mm-hmm. um, which I never really expected. Um, I know that you are recovering from an eating disorder mm-hmm. and have used that experience as a tool to create a community of women and men that are eager to uh, deepen their understanding of self and understanding of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you were in Detroit where we met while you were recovering, mm-hmm. um, or at least on the first leg of your recovery, yep. or maybe second leg. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many legs it has. One of the unknowns. (laughs) Um, And then have been intentionally um, trying to, I guess not even trying, uh, you're doing it, which is traveling and exploring the spaces that make you uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. whether it's taking a road trip with someone you maybe don't know that well Mm -hmm. um, and documenting it um, or moving back to a big city like New York. Um, I know that you uh, share your story via Instagram and, uh, get to know people or explore that further through podcasts and through writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is what I know about you. Hmm. Thank you. That's really nice to hear. Mm. Um, so based on now that we know our knowns, Mm. um, based on your definition of the unknown that you stated earlier, what are some of the unknowns that you're currently facing in your life right now? Mm. Well, I guess, uh, can you know an unknown? You know, like, um, do I know what I don't know? It's a great question. Um, what I know maybe makes me or the this yeah okay but i'm gonna answer for the sake of the <laughs> this conversation i'm gonna answer Thank that you. question yeah totally Shit, maybe i should rethink this question <laughs> um i don't know where my art career will be in mm. five years or ten years i don't know where i'll live um i don't know wow so many things um I don't know how long I'll continue to not drink alcohol. Mm. I don't know um, if I'll ever have kids or want kids. I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know what comes next in Mm. my life. Um, I'm about to just like embark on a semi-nomadic life a little bit Mm. and like do some artist residencies because I've um, grew up in and around Detroit and I'm I'm antsy mm-hmm. so there's a lot of unknowns around that like mm. will I be able to afford to do that um, do I get to do that yeah hmm. it's really exciting for me to hear because mm. there's a lot to unpack there mm. uh, I want to start with this nomadic lifestyle mm. uh, because that's close to home and I, I'm s- I'm at least in my world, seeing a trend of people who are eager to be nomadic, but they don't actually know what that means. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about 
the antsiness of being in Detroit um, and, and why there's a need or a desire for you to kind of go and push yourself into the discomfort of being a nomadic um, human. Yeah. Um, I think it really just stems from me uh, always living here. Um, and I've loved living here and continue to love living here. Um, but I also, I've, I know that the world is so huge. Mm -hmm. And so every time I go to another place, I have this experience of like learning more about people and seeing the way other artists create work and like how they navigate the space of being artists and how they fabricate things and just this whole realm that I actually probably have access to here but can't see it yet because I'm like so embedded in my schedule mm. here. So um, I think it's just like genuine curiosity to be like, what the fuck else is out there? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's, I just want to like see stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in the world of what you do, mm -hmm. how do you foresee that help or hinder you? I think that the the challenge will be not having like a stable studio potentially, um, you know, like physically hauling my belongings or if I make large paintings, how will I get them from one place to another? Will I have to rent a van? That's expensive. Will I have to tailor my practice to be, uh, you know, to fit my nomadic lifestyle? That might be a thing. Um, and that might hold me back from some ideas that, I would be able to explore if I just got to keep a space. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think maybe that's, that's the big one. But I, but I also think I've been doing a series of work that um, involves like sort of improvisational installations, temporary installations in environments that respond to the environment. So I'm hoping to like explore that further, mm -hmm. like taking these large wooden shape cutouts and bringing them with me and just finding a place that calls to me and just stopping and creating a composition in the space and, and documenting it, um, maybe just standing there with it, like as part of it for an hour and just see who passes, hmm. um, see what kinds of questions they ask, see if they think, you know, just sort of like notice what people are saying, hmm. uh, bring it into a Home Depot, bring it into, you know, somewhere rural, somewhere, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but that really excites me. Hmm. Before I ask the, the why, yeah. um, maybe for those who are listening, explain or describe, I guess is a better word, describe what your current version of the art that you're making is. Sure. So I, my work is about compositions and, compositions of shapes mostly. And those shapes are vehicles for color relationships. And those color relationships create different sort of like optical feelings, I guess. Um, a lot of it is is layering paper or wood. Um, and I also paint large murals. Um, and so I think all of it sort of revolves around relationships, relationships of color, of textures, the way we interact with the color on a small scale versus a large scale, the way the shapes look when they're tiny in paper versus large in wood, 
and all of the different ways that we can sort of expand and compress a very sort of simple vocabulary of forms in mm-hmm. different situations. So, okay, relationships, relation, our relationship to shape and color yeah. and um, texture, right? Sure, sure. Um, so I want to explore that. My thought initially was, so when you create, are you creating with the idea that it needs to speak to you or that you want it to speak to the audience or that a little bit of both or neither? Um, I think that when I'm painting a mural, I am definitely considering my audience because people will live with it in a way that I might not. If it's in a neighborhood that I don't live in, if it's in a city that I've never been to, I definitely consider the space in which it inhabits. That being said, I don't really um, make art like for, I don't try and make art for the neighborhood. By that I mean I don't often include elements from, I I find that when I, when I see murals, this is me personally, um, that try and incorporate elements of a place they've never been, it becomes very much about stereotypes. Mm. You know, like if someone comes in and wants to make something about Detroit, they're like the tigers, Coney dogs, uh, you know, like the GM building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've seen that a million times. So I think there's something about like considering the space and like acknowledging who will be around it, but not necessarily trying to speak specifically to the neighborhood unless I've had an opportunity to get to know them while I'm there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you're creating for yourself, what's that process like? Um, That's much more about just ideas, thoughts, feelings that I have. Um, when I try and think about who it will be for or who will resonate with it, I get way too caught up in things that are outside of my control. You know, I, I can't, when I make it for someone to feel a certain something, for some reason it just doesn't. I get like stuck mm. on the decisions of, well, it could be this or this. What if this is better than this? Or, you know, like, then my inner critic just goes like nuts. So in a way, you create almost this um, vortex yeah. of a personal intuition and thought and feeling, and that vortex almost protects you from outside opinion and perspectives and um, ideas so that um, you can stay aligned with whatever is being channeled through you. Mm-hmm. And so then... I wouldn't say it protects me. Uh-huh. I just think it is me. I like, see. Yeah. So it is innately you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, or I don't think that like my, I don't think it's, I don't think any of it protects, maybe it's to some degree, but I don't think it protects me necessarily. Maybe the, maybe protect is the wrong word. Um, I, I'm, I'm seeing it more of like a, a shield or a, uh, a filter to keep you close to your core. Mm. Would that be more accurate? Yeah, I think definitely a filter. Okay. For sure. Because the reason why I bring that up is I, I'm always curious to find out how it is that people have confidence in one aspect of their life but don't have confidence in another. And so what I'm hearing is when you create for yourself, as soon as you allow other thoughts come in, then the confidence within you dwindles because Mm. the self-critic is awoken. Mm -hmm. So 
is the inner confidence innate? Um, did you work on it within the world of creativity and art? I work on it every day. Okay, so expand on Oh my on God. That. Like my inner critic is someone I have to just like croon to and nurture out of my life every day. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm we're inundated with images of other people's work all day Mm -hmm. you know I can make something that I feel like it's so authentically mine and I look on Instagram and someone made something Mm. that kind of feels like it or you know and um and like there's just so much stuff being made and I it's so accessible Mm. um I could just look at other people's art all day and I love doing that I have to be really really careful with like what I consume visually while I'm making art. Like Mm. I have to, this summer, which is something I think I'm gonna do every summer, it was so productive. I went up north and went camping alone and like strung, like it it was like string between two trees and like hung canvases literally in the middle of the woods where there was no internet and no cell service. And I just camped and like painted. And sometimes, I don't know if it's like, my lack of self-control or like the addict in me that just like has a really hard time telling myself not to do something until I physically remove it. Mm. So I had to sort of like physically remove myself from the option of checking anything of any distractions. And it was like there that I like fully was able to like really reconnect and it felt so good, but it, you know, that was I was like why can't I get why can't I do this in my studio or what, what felt really good about it um it's it felt really good to one not to come to to not feel like felt really good to be like if someone wants to reach me they can't they can't reach me hmm. it's just me and if I want to scream and dance and cry or whatever I need to do there is absolutely no one here to say, to give me any sense of what's okay and not okay. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, it's just like a completely neutral territory. So, you know, I can, I can look at the trees and be like, you look like a hoe. And the trees are like, I don't care. Mm. You can call me a hoe. Mm. You look like a hoe. You know what? I, there's just like, no. Yeah. So I think it's like that, that just sort of like, Yeah. The freedom to be you almost. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because what I'm hearing is um, the difficulty, and I think this goes side by side with anything in life right now, whether that's dating or creating or whatever. It's like the comparison uh, is so in your face because you're constantly being bombarded by different versions of you. Totally. Which are not different versions of you, but you can't help but see it and wonder and question. And so in creating purposeful separation uh you give yourself permission to access parts of yourself that you might not otherwise access yeah absolutely and so what did that do for your vision or your clarity and your freedom creatively yeah as you as you left yeah the woods and enter the woods (laughs) it sounds just like so dramatic like i entered the woods um (laughs) So the main thing that I took away that was so fun and also terrifying was um, on one day I just was like, okay, I had this huge canvas and I was like, I'm just going to make one painting. 
mm-hmm. and I'm gonna like perform it or like move. It was large enough. It was like maybe like ten feet tall by like twelve feet, and I just like moved and made a mark and then like drew a circle so slowly with my whole body and it took like an hour Mm -hmm. like I went as slow as I could and then I like laid on the ground and I like drew an arc with my arm and um there was this like moment the the voice inside me is like this is stupid you're stupid this is going to be a bad painting. You're wasting your time. You should be making stuff that looks good. This is going to be shitty. Hmm. And then, but because I had nothing else to do, I was like, yeah, but what else are you going to do today? Just, hmm. just keep going. And so the larger part of me was like, just make a move and respond to the move. Hmm. You know, like d- do what your body feels, follow the line, follow the color and just, respond to each gesture one at a time and just when you're when the day is done when the sun sets you're done and that like reminded me to just like that whole thing felt so symbolic of being like make a move and then respond to it and just like like that Mm self-trust that comes with art making I think like art art making is really just about trusting yourself and your gesture that what you put down is the right one Mm -hmm. and if it's not don't do it again you know but you can just keep going and you can layer things and I think sometimes I tend to get caught up in not making a move because I'm concerned that it won't be the right one Mm -hmm. um and so that that experience of being like wow and no one has to see this painting if I don't want to show it to anyone and now I just had that and I s- was outside all day and I just made that. Hmm. And it doesn't matter whether it's good. It was like exactly the moves that I needed to make it was like a really low cost like uh, experience, you mm-hmm. know. So mm-hmm. um, and I just it wasn't I wasn't using fancy materials. You can get these like little um, little things of paint for three ninety nine from Home Depot. They're like sample sizes for anyone who's thinks that all art is expensive it's it's maybe 2.99 even and you can get any of the colors mixed so I just brought like five or six of those and yeah that was like really a pivotal moment I think Hmm. I'm thinking about that and applying it to life in general of um, making a move like entrusting that move and then responding and what I found the most beautiful in terms of what you were saying was in, in the slowness of drawing the circle and then taking a moment to lay on the grass um, in a way that that is kind of how it would benefit us to live our lives, to do something slowly and then to take a step back and to pause and instead of react, respond to something. Um, so if did that experience change or enhance your personal life as well? Um, I think in some ways, I think that also like the knowledge of that and then the practice of that Mm. are, are different. Like me knowing that and then me being like, wow, here are all the situations that I've done that I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And maybe now I'm more aware of them, but my initial instinct isn't necessarily to do that. You know, I can be a little reactive. Mm. So I think the integration portion of that is maybe still very much in process. 
That's fine. Yeah. But that's that awareness of the integration sure. is key. Yeah. Because then the next step is repetition and then right, it becomes exactly. a habit or a yeah, yeah. autopilot, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, kind of expand a little bit on the feeling part of all of this. Uh, because I'm trying to learn feelings and it excites me to hear that uh, colors and shapes and textures have feelings too and or we can make them feel or they make us feel. So what is that process of feeling? What are you feeling while you're choosing orange or red? Mm. Um, How does that work? Um. I think that it's it's maybe less about the specific choices um, or maybe there are like a few a few just like red and blue certain shades next to each other will like really vibrate and create like a tension in your eyes. Mm. So I think that's like one thing that I try and incorporate a little bit is like just that optical intensity where you're like it feels like it's jittering. Mm. Um, I think that, but I, but for me, it's like less about like, wow, what does it's, I guess it's, it's like less of a direct translation of like red feels like anger or, you know, like blue feels calm. It's more about, you know, like how big is the blue next to the red? You know, does does the blue feel aggressive in the shape that it holds? You know, like the calm blue with these intense angles, what, you know, that feels different than like a rounded blue or something. And so I think in that way, there are like different tools, but I also am not, it's not, it's not so much a like, um, it's not so much like a, an alphabet, you know, where I'm like, wow, the, the blue thing like this means this Mm -hmm. which would actually be interesting maybe i should do that but so we're having ideas Mm -hmm. um i'm like okay great idea i should do that (laughs) um but so far it has not been that it's been like more intuitive um a lot of it is that i feel like there's a designer side in me um i have like a i was a graphic designer for a long time and the designer in me likes to like plan things and execute that plan Mm. Um, the artist in me likes to be like, fuck the plan. Um, but I find that it's helpful for me to start something that has a plan. And then the scraps of that plan create a whole other thing. Or mm. the on the way to the plan, I'm, I am able to be like, wow, okay, I didn't expect that to happen. I'm going to do another iteration of it where this whole other, where I veer down another direction. Mm. Or maybe I decide that, wow, this other thing that I just stumbled across is actually better than the original plan. And then I go down that path. But generally starting with something that I can clearly execute at least gives me an entry point. Um, Otherwise there's just like too many choices. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. In a way, would we call this trusting the process? Oh yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. the process for sure. And so w- w- what is that? I, well, I guess in a way you've already talked about what that is. It is making making a move, trusting it, and taking a step back and responding to it, allowing yourself to pivot, to change, mm-hmm. to course correct, to follow a new lead. When does the voice come in to say, uh-uh, that's not safe. That's too much of the unknown. Don't go there. 
um, I think it happens like a tiny bit every day where I'm making things and maybe a, a voice says like, oh, maybe that's a little off brand or like off uh, of whose brand my own, you know, or like, oh, maybe that, you know, like, oh, that's a little, little weird. Maybe no one will want to buy that or that's, oh, that's really different. So let me pause you for a second. Sure. What's your brand? What's my brand? Like, I feel like in my in the palette that I use, mm-hmm. in like the the shapes maybe that I use, mm-hmm. maybe if I were to get like way way more expressive, like you know, just like a different style of work. Not that I can't do it, um, just that I feel like in in formulating an identity. I've, for better or worse, created a set of restrictions for myself mm-hmm. in, yeah, in the colors that I use, in, in the shape relationships, in the, yeah, um, which are both liberating because I can explore like an endless amount of uh, arrangements within that. But also it mean, it's limiting in that when I start to venture outside of that, part of me is like, okay, that's happening. Makes me uncomfortable, for mm-hmm. sure. And, and you mentioned that what if someone doesn't buy this yeah i think for any artist that's really difficult that dichotomy right because you're creating for you and then something works and people start to identify that with your name but then your creativity evolves and you might want to shift a little bit to the left or right but the livelihood matters yeah and it's almost like there's that fork in the road of do you compromise your creativity in order to sustain a certain financial living? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say there are probably very few artists who are able to just say fuck it and create, create, create whatever they want and still end up making the amount of money that they did. Yeah. But I guess my question is like how much of the consumer do you consider and at which point do you draw the line from them adding too much into your process yeah i think that the older i get and the more comfortable i become as an as a person Mm -hmm. the more comfortable i get like shedding some of that initial um it's just like fear around money really Mm -hmm. um i didn't grow up particularly wealthy um like I shared a bedroom with my sister until I was 18 Mm -hmm. um a bunk bed Hmm. and I paid for my own school and so the thought of you know like being a full-time artist was just sort of like something I always really wanted but also felt like totally not an option given that you know until social media and and maybe it would have happened without it but that definitely uh, enabled me to create a career out of my work in a way that I hadn't ever envisioned. Um, so, but I think like part of me afraid of not, of having it taken away, you Mm -hmm. know, like is, is keeps me, I think that's maybe like, Oh, uh, definitely like a, a place of unknown is, what would I really make though? Maybe if money were not at all on the table, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I had no concern at all or, or about people buying it, um, or somehow, you know, needing to support myself through it, would I make something that might be like 
way more uh just like had more feelings in it but Mm. was like less nice to look at Mm. um but also you know like there are the you know and maybe I'm saving up money now so that I can do that for myself or um you know some people that's why they go to grad school so that they say like what how how do I give myself like two years with sort of constructive criticism to make the work that I can't fund any other way but needs to be made Hmm. um or people you know do residency all these different ways of making that work that I'm starting to explore, but definitely feels like a, a, a discomfort, a, mm. a, a fear that what if what comes out of me when I don't consider that is so ugly, you know, and disgusting. Can I be devil's advocate and Please. say, and? I know. No, you're totally right. Yeah. Who made ugly the enemy, you know? Ugly can be so interesting. And also what is ugly? And, you know, it's so contextual. Um, and so much of the work I like is so weird and and wonky and just you know blobby I don't know when you can see that someone's whole soul is in it um what does that mean like what does that mean um I feel like the the work is um like you can tell that they they dealt with that and then they continued anyway you know that maybe they they asked themselves like you know they they ask themselves that like what if nobody buys it and then their part of them said yeah but make it anyway Mm. because it maybe isn't you wouldn't want it in your house you really wouldn't Mm -hmm. um it's interesting um because today i was having a conversation where we were talking about conscious sexuality but it was very much about just life in general and in it going in waves mm-hmm. and and us hitting the the peak of the mountain that we're looking to climb and and that peak is the ultimate unknown um and should we make it to the top and then stand there and fully embrace it and surrender um that then we're able to get to the other side and it seems like what you're talking about is very similar in that um you will always hit some sort of a wall or a door will be closed or something will fall apart. And it's how committed are you to continue bearing your soul mm-hmm. in order to get through it? Yeah. Um, because when you don't get through it, it almost like manifests in your body and um, becomes this trauma, if you will. Yeah. And perhaps you know the way that you talk about i just puts a whole new light on how i'm going to observe art from now on really um because i knew somewhere in my subconscious that it takes a lot of courage Mm. to create something that comes from within you without knowing if anyone's going to receive it um and probably to have millions of doors closed on you but then to just continue because you have to is that how you feel about creating art you just have to yeah totally yeah yeah absolutely i just have to but i do feel like my my personal definition of success has evolved you know for so long it was just like being a full-time artist was success and then i get here and i 
have been supporting myself through my creative work for, um, you know, not that long. I think it's been maybe three years. Um, but I can see all of the ways that I have to sacrifice some things like that or um, in order to make it marketable, um, at least maybe, you know, and it could be that I live in, in a city that is still, you know, like getting back up on its feet. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when I think about taking risks, the risks, the risk is in like starting a business in Detroit, you know, like people who choose to stay because they, they are, are just like, um, I don't know. I'm like so impre- I'm so I'm so encouraged and just like inspired by all the people who are like we're 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 here. We're going to open our businesses here despite all the odds and we're going to do it loudly and proudly. Mm-hmm. Um um but also I I think you know if it comes down to it now I would ho- I hope that I have the the courage to say if my if the if I find that being a full-time artist compromises the work that I need to make, I should just get a job, you know, like a part-time job. Hmm. And, uh, and not that it's just like so easy, but, um, but if that allowed me the financial stability to make the stuff that no one will pay for in order to, you know, in order to, to make it, then, then I would do that. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I want to just make a point because a lot of people talk about um, doing passion projects or starting something that feels innately theirs, but they're Mm. unable to. And and I just I wanted to just say that the path or the road to success, A, is not smooth. B, is always changing. and C sometimes requires you to take a step back to do something that you don't necessarily want to love or that fulfills you in order to allow you to do what you want. And I think the rigidity in a person to say I'm better than that and I don't need that is a, 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 a sure path to self-destruction and collapse. Um, and also... You know, one could argue that taking yourself seriously within any field is important, but is it, you know, because um, at the end of the day, again, what I just want to really highlight here is you are creating because it's in you and you have to versus majority of people who, especially in the world of social media, are quote-unquote creating because they want to be seen. Mm. And there's a difference. And I don't get an ounce of anything of what you're saying or doing or your aura that it's about being seen. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I'm a Leo, so I feel like part of it is definitely about being seen. Okay, expand. Like, or... um, I mean, to deny, like, what is art without an audience? Mm-hmm. Of course I want to be seen, mm-hmm. you know? That's, you know, I, I've i posted and deleted Instagram posts or, like, you know, done a million things to be like, is this who I am? Does How does this feel? Mm. No, it's not me. You know, like, what? It, who? Do, how do I want to be seen? Mm. Um, 
I think that like to think that somehow I'm like above that or like not also a raging narcissist maybe <laughs> and also it is innate it is it is all the things you know like I ha- you have to be fearlessly believing that your work that my shapes are mm. somehow worthy of all the money mm. and I truly believe that whether it's like an illusion or whether it's real doesn't totally matter if my argument is strong enough you know like but I but I I feel it I feel it I also know that like if I were come on a desert island I would still make stuff you know regard regardless so I I want I I guess you know like I want to be seen and I and so far it's like when my work is seen, it enables me to then to meet other people and connect with other people and have conversations and travel to different places that I would have never been able to without it. Um, and I have to do it. Hmm. So, so how do you stay sane? How do you? Oh, I don't. Well, how do you check yourself um, that you're not leaning too heavy into the my art is fantastic and this is how much it's worth and look at all my fans and followers well that that side isn't I don't often feel that I don't know if it's you know I I feel like I've heard this on you know on many podcasts and things listening to you but that that isn't my nature my nature is to be like wow it's not as good as theirs you know Mm -hmm. so I think the harder part is for me to stand in it and be like I am good enough that part's way harder for me than 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 the the part that's like you could be better. Hmm. Yeah. Talk to me about this um, no drinking thing. Um, yeah, I uh, I'm probably an alcoholic. No, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> um, I quit drinking la- on September second, two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. um, and I was listening to. I knew I had to do it for a long time leading up to it. There were many, many signs, and I was drinking almost every day. Sometimes casually, mm, I was blacking out a lot, just like all the signs were there. I was hiding it, sneaking it, um, you know, lying about it, the whole, all of the, all of the signs. Um, and it was just like, it felt totally out of my control. It was interfering with my work. It was interfering with my relationship. Um, my, my partner, boyfriend couldn't take me certain places because I would be too fucked up. Um, just like classic cases, I think Mm -hmm. of someone who, um, either is an alcoholic or struggles with alcohol abuse. You know, I know that there are some, um, just in like doing some research, alcoholism, you know, is like genetic and I know that it runs in my family, but it also might be like alcohol abuse issues, which are maybe a little different just in them, um, yeah, um, but I don't totally know what the differences are. Um, and I was, I actually followed this, followed this girl named Marley Grace on Instagram. And she uh, had just posted that she had done a podcast with someone. And I listened to it. I was at my studio. And in it, she was really honest about her sobriety. And she had been sober for, um, or not drinking. I guess I should clarify because... Yeah, sometimes I take acid um, and do other drugs, but mm-hmm. um, but mostly, but like that was the the, the main one. Um, and she 
in it just the I think the interviewer said something like you know like oh do you think you won't drink forever or something and she was just like you know I just choose not to drink today mm-hmm. and I'm choosing not to drink right now mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes I just choose each minute at a time and that's all I do mm-hmm. um, and at the time I didn't know that that was like really classic um, you know like vocabulary and like an idea from Alcoholics Anonymous um, but it like so resonated with me where I was like, wow, that's such a manageable way to think about it, Mm -hmm. that I could just choose each moment to not drink. And then that day I just started and I was like, I'm going to choose not to drink today. Mm -hmm. And then I, that, that went on until, um, until December. Um, and I was feeling great. I was like, wow, I'm a superhuman. I never have hangovers. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing like all the just shitty things that I used to do. It felt great. And um, then I, you know, I was like, I've totally got this under control. And I started drinking again. And at first it was fine. And then it became abundantly clear that it was not fine. Mm. And all of my old habits came back stronger than ever. And it was I feel really grateful because it made it so clear. The like 180 mm-hmm. that I took was like no one could deny it. Um, can and I? Yeah. Can I ask if this is too personal? Um, you don't have to. You don't have to go there. But when you started drinking again, what did you feel? Um. Like what? So. In the initial stages of sobriety, yeah. once you get over that hump of, of I need and then the I feel really good trumps that, mm-hmm. um, the, the step to start drinking again, what did that first drink feel like and why did it make, why did it give you the illusion that you could casually drink? Um, I think it was like, um, it was, I was at Art Basel, Miami beach Mm -hmm. and it was a Stroh's and everyone was just, it was like a bunch of artists all hanging out, drinking a beer. And I was like, this is, I want to be that person who can hang out and casually drink beers. Like I so wanted to be that person. Because why? Because, um, because w- I'm trying to understand yeah. what alcohol did for you. What it did for me? Yeah. It makes me feel so relaxed and comfortable and um, makes me feel, yeah, like I'm just, um, I was so comfortable. I'm just so comfortable mm-hmm. being myself when I'm like a little bit drunk. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the way I felt like when I'm drunk but not blacked out, just like the, to- the ability to like, dance so freely you know when I go out at night and just like be just like feeling totally um just like totally like I can like let go completely and not worry if my dancing looks stupid and not just not care about any of that um can you do that soberly I can do it soberly no definitely Mm -hmm. but it takes more work and it comes less often Mm -hmm. you know so, so I think it was, you know, and the thought of always saying no to alcohol, you know, I, it feels, it feels like a lot of work, 
Mm-hmm. And it is at first because people will be like, oh, you don't. Oh, are you sure? And I'm like, no. You know, are you sure you don't want a beer? I'm like, no, of course I'm not sure. <laughs> I, f- I fucking want a beer really bad, like more than anything. Yeah. But like, I don't want anything that comes after that. Fir- the first beer is fine. It's everything that comes after the first beer that's not fine. Mm-hmm. And I have no interest in drinking responsibly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. None. So I, I, I don't. I, I like that you categorized the, I don't, in your unknowns, um, whether or not you're going to drink again. Because, I mean, sobriety and any type of addiction is so personal for each individual. And uh, putting like a hard line in the sand works for some. And for others, it's like you said, this day by day, minute by minute decision. Um, it, it just, it's, it's interesting that you put it in that space of the unknown because I think for a long time when I stopped drinking, the first thought that I always had was I'm not never drinking again. Yeah. And then it slowly became, well, how do I know that, you know, and, and why do I feel that? And, and what is my relationship to it? And, um, and I think why I'm kind of unpacking this is because alcohol consumption is just, is so on autopilot for everybody. Um, but it is, it does give you that permission to access the unknown with less fear, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so I, that's why I find it so interesting is that it's like at any opportunity that we can find to curb the fear of our, of the unknown, we choose to do so. Um, and so if anything, I commend you for your courage to just fully embrace that which you do not know yet, um, no matter how scary it is. Um, you mentioned also having kids, yeah, or maybe never wanting to have kids. Uh, this is a very prevalent topic in the discussions that I have with women, but it's very hush hush, yeah, because uh, there's a lot of judgment from other women. Yeah, what's your stance on that, and what does that mean to you? Um. I guess I'm, I'm 29, so the thought of freezing my eggs comes up because I don't have any uh, desire to have kids yet. Um, it might never, uh, it might never arrive. The desire, it might. I genuinely do not know. Um, but you know, and I, I guess so. It feels like so far away, but to some degree, I know that. Um, a lot of like my older sister is 39 and she was just like, if you can afford it, which I, at this point, you know, depending on when it happens, may or may not be able to, um, you know, she was like, you just don't know. So you maybe just freeze your eggs. Mm. Um, I think that my, my older sister has, uh, hasn't had kids and she, um, is considering adopting, um, she adopted a girl for a little while, um, but it didn't work out. And that was um, a really, really interesting and powerful experience to be part of. Um, and also really, really, really heartbreaking and challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I love her and for, yeah. F- and she had a lot of courage in that. Um, so I think, but seeing the way, you know, she is and, and having that expectation from my parents be broken in that, like, she might not have kids um, or she might adopt one. Um, but 
but my parents no longer I felt like that conversation she was able to break the ice in my family and I yeah I appreciate her for that hmm. so it's almost like she provided you the space to yeah. say that m- perhaps I I too might not have kids yeah um, or consider adopting or consider yeah. consider it when it arises yeah I just don't yet have the I don't have the I would be a terrible mom at this point. At this point. Yeah. Hmm. And what about your relationship? Um, What have the two of you learned from one another? And uh, what makes it work? Because your partner's job and career is also very demanding. Uh, I would argue that he has more of a social type of life Mm. or career um, Mm. in having to deal with a lot of personalities and building people's um, stars. They rise to fame, hopefully, Um, but also curating space for creatives to be able to safely and genuinely express themselves. Um, So how have you how have you guys made it work and what makes it work? What have you learned from one another? I think that the thing that makes it work is also the thing that makes it hard, Mm. which is we are both so supportive of each other's careers and that we met at a time where he had bought. So he um, runs a music recording studio called Assemble Sound. um, And it's out of an old church in Corktown. And he had just bought this church and like maxed out every credit card Mm -hmm. and taken out insane loans. He had, he bought the church like maybe less than a month before we like went on our first date. And so from the very beginning, he, he was kind of like, Hey, I, I am in over my head with all of this. And it's like my, it is, I am so committed to it with every ounce of everything that I have like this is my as close to my dream as it's going to get Mm -hmm. probably so I can't I'm not going to be available in some of the normal boyfriend ways that I would like to be Mm -hmm. um I just want you to know that because I I like you and I want to continue seeing you but but the expectations we have to be clear and I don't you know like I'm just being honest. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that works out great because I am also just quit my job three weeks ago Mm. to be a full-time artist. And I don't know what's going to happen next either. Um, And this is also my dream. However, my, I travel now a lot um, painting murals, which is amazing, but he doesn't get to come with me. Mm. Um, And he, you know, lives and breathes this church, which has given him insane allergies and (laughs) just like insane. But, um, yeah, so that, so it means that we, um, it feels like we're like building two ships and they're like right now on the same river, but at any moment they could, there could be a Delta and they go in different directions. Mm. And so we've just made a commitment to each other that we will stay together as long as it continues to feel 
good. Mm. And if it doesn't, then we will deal with it. Mm. Um, so that's how we navigate that. Are there check-in systems that you've created or? Um, the check-in systems are, check-in systems are like, sometimes I'll, I'll be like, uh, normally it's like me freaking out and just being like, I just wish you got to come with on these trips with me. I can't fucking believe it. Like I have a whole hotel room, dude. And, and he's like, I know I want to come, but I can't. And yeah, there's like a lot of that. <laughs> a lot of that being like me being like, why you manage all these musical artists? Why don't you just manage me? Mm. I need like a, I need a manager. Um, I actually do have one. My younger sister is my manager and she's the best, but, um, I do see a lot of male artists whose wife or girlfriend is their like main support system. Mm. And it just look like it looks really fun. Hmm. So let me, let me pause right there. Yeah. A lot of male artists yeah. whose wife or girlfriend are their support system. Yeah. What about a lot of the female artists? I haven't yet seen it. Seen female artists with, with male who do their, I haven't yet seen it as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen some that it's like more equal, like a collaborative thing. Um, and there's not, I'm not trying to, there's no shade in that because I also know that like a lot of these women are like, we're doing different types of management anyway. And then they like met their partner, loved their work and were excited, you know, at the idea of, of supporting them and, you know, like merging their business skills and, you know, um, but I haven't, I haven't seen it as much with with female artists who are like majorly supported by their male partners. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but that's like my feelings about wanting that are are like in the fantasy world where like I don't know. And when I and I'm I am really happy in my relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so it hasn't yet come to the point where where the you know we've needed you know like, there have been moments where I'm like my needs aren't being met or you know like I, I do need someone who can travel with me or do these things um and then we talk about it and um and so far we've been able to resolve it mm -hmm. yeah uh what is I'm just listening to you and the thought that keeps coming up to me is darkness 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 mm. do you have any Oh, definitely. What what is that? Yeah. What is your darkness? What is my darkness? Um um deep anxiety. Um I think my my darkness my I have like a, a, an addictive personality um which I have to constantly. I feel like there are a few things which are like I'm prone to anxiety, um prone to bouts of depression, um have an addictive personality where I can sort of like latch on to, I, I latch on to the things that feel good, you know, and at one time it was alcohol. Um, it can be anything that's like a distraction. It can be, um, it can be t television. It can be, you know, and even things like, like podcasts. I like love podcasts, but if I listen to them all day, every day, then I don't have any room for my own thoughts. You know, something like that where where it's just like I can latch onto something and then just exhaust it. And I think that uh, it works really well in art making because mm -hmm. art making feels really good for me. 
And when I like can direct it in certain ways, it's like very productive because I can just do the same thing for a long period of time and like really exhaust it. Um, but, but if I'm not careful, um, you know, I have very little self-control, I think in that way. Um, like I, I have to just like not buy certain foods either. You know, this, it's like all of these sort of gluttonous things Mm. that unchecked or even just present, I have to have them physically not present. Otherwise I have a hard time choosing not to do them or Mm. engage with them. Um, yeah, I think, I think maybe, you know, my, my inner critic is a, is a very dark place. Um, super dark just um you know self-doubt and things like that and what does it say to you on the worst day on the worst day um like you know everyone is everyone can see that you're not you're not a real artist or you're just like you're copying everyone else and you don't even know it you're you're inauthentic and you um you know, take yourself too seriously and this is just a fad and it's going to fade and then you're going to be left with nothing. Um, you know, you won't, you won't be happy. Mm. You won't, you won't be able to sustain this. This is not, you don't have it in you. Your rational mind, does it disbelieve that? Um, I think like that's when, that's when I like go outside and move around and drink water Mm. and, um, and yeah, I think it's like a, it's an ongoing, just what are the things I'm trying to think? Like, what are the things that make me like feel good again? A lot of, like, yeah, like moving, like dan- like dancing in weird ways. Um, that for some reason really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just like being like, Hey, but you're doing it right now. You know, just like, just keep going. Mm-hmm. The main thing is like, keep going. Just keep going. Keep making things every day. Don't let that, if the voice stops you, you know, like the only way to get better is to do the work. Just keep making stuff. One of them will probably be okay. And if not, just enjoy making it and then you'll at least have fun, you know? So I think the key for me is to just like recognize that it's there and just like make stuff anyway mm-hmm. and just keep making things. Hmm. Finally, I think you said, this was one of the other uh, ones was where you'll be in five years time. Yeah. I think uh, Americans, well, let's say the Western culture has mm-hmm. such an obsession with predicting your like one year plan, your five year plan, your 10 year plan. Um, and there's such an emphasis on work and work, work, work until you burn out and then keep working harder. Uh, what, what in the most ideal kind of world where are you in five years? Even though I hate that question. So you can totally say, fuck you, Alianka, this question. I'm not <laughs> answering. Um, I don't know where I'll be. But where my my intention is that I will have gone through the process of of asking myself truly, what would I make if money weren't an issue? Mm-hmm. And then stepped through that door anyway. Mm. And so, and, and that I'll feel like a new sense of like that, not that there won't be days of self-doubt and, and struggle, but that by that point I'll have like reached this place in my practice 
where it f- like I'm like, yep, I did the thing that I didn't really want to do and I knew I had to do. And the other side, I'm like, this, this is what I always thought it would be like. To, to, this is what I thought I would feel when I was really making this stuff that felt like my most authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like on a, you know, on some, on a spiritual tip. That's what I hope will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hope that I have the, the like knowledge and skills to build bigger projects and hire people and create an industry out of this work and, and, outsource things to people I admire and collaborate with other creatives and really, you know, reinforce the creative economy through, through jobs and enable young women and, um, and other people to, to also, to like, to hopefully, yeah, create, create jobs and, and make work that, that is, is impactful. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I don't often hear creatives or artists specifically really uh use their network or their success to create a space for others um which is beautiful because it is such a hard road Mm. i mean it's such a hard road it's so selfless Mm. it's just a lot of giving 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 until someone is like oh wait that is really cool and then everyone else kind of goes wait what yeah you know so it's amazing that that's something that you'd want further down the road Mm. um before i get to the final questions that i ask everybody Mm. is there anything else that i need to bring up about you that Mm. i i haven't because i perhaps don't know it yet Hmm. there's uh i don't think so can i ask you a question sure okay so in sharing so much on social media like one what has that taught you and do you ever feel pressure from yourself to like find conclusions or or make a a tough situation you know like find a lesson in it or or distill it or do you give yourself permission to just write and then that's that if that makes sense yeah uh so I think what I'll answer first is the the process of writing for me mm-hmm. is not a uh, a task. It perhaps is in the same way that you create art. Uh, I write because I have to. It's like taking a breath of air and sipping water. Um, it literally gives me life. So I'm very attuned to my writing because I've been writing since I was a child I've been documenting since the second grade and I journals yeah so I feel when something sparks in me and will literally either run to my computer or pull out my phone and type it out if I can't in full just let it go I'll write some of the keywords or the ideas of what it is that I want to write my writing on Instagram is totally different than what I write privately and this might lead to your first question of sharing and I've thought a lot about this and I think that um which is why I was so interested in what in in asking you this as well the, the public persona and the brand versus the private one 
I, for one, find myself to be exceptionally private. There's a lot that people don't know about me. And the parts of myself that I do share are not necessarily calculated, but I'm very, very aware of what it is that I'm sharing because the story is still based on, and this is something recently that I acquired, was this idea of teaching from the scar and not the wound. And so I'm always in a space of checking, am I teaching from the scar or the wound? And so the eating disorder for me felt always like the scar because it had already happened. I know it so intimately. And I found that there was a space of need for people to, to be able to hear what it's like and, and um, to, to understand it better. Other parts of my story personal relationships, other things that I deal with, um, there's still wounds. So I don't go there. And I'm also very cautious to not affect those who have given me the wounds. So as much as I am about transparency and vulnerability, I'm also very much about boundaries. And I have a clear idea of what my boundaries are. And the last space in which I'm understanding my boundaries is in the world of intimacy. And that's something um, that I've never really written about and I don't talk about. Um, And so... Intimacy with other people or with yourself? With myself and other people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm just starting to get into that world of... Mm what it it means to feel again mm-hmm. and what do I feel and I'm going to be rolling out a series called Mirror Me which will literally be just video of me doing shit because I'm curious to learn about myself and I want to create that not because I want people to see me doing stuff but because I want to empower other people to take time to mirror themselves and to really look at themselves and say, why do I do this? And how do I do this? And what does this mean? So I think, again, it's just this gradual conversation and and check-in system with myself of, am I sharing because there's a lesson here? Um, or am I sharing because I want feedback and I want mm-hmm. validation and I want someone to see me? And I... I, I, I rarely make the mistake of of doing something to be seen mm. because I already did that for 10 years mm. I starved myself to be seen and guess what it didn't work mm. you know at the end of the day it doesn't matter what you do all you have is yourself so my whole thing is self-reliance and in terms of finding a lesson in everything you can drive yourself insane trying to look at something and ask why and how and all these things to me the only the only way we receive a lesson in anything is to just surrender into it and that's the hardest thing that we can do um and that's still something that i'm learning and processing uh and sometimes i think that I i think our lessons aren't learned or understood until years later And so letting go 
of having a sense of completion or an outcome is also part of the process of surrendering. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Totally. Cool. Do you believe in God? <laughs> um, surprise attack. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, you can edit it out. No, no, this is, I don't, uh, I'm open about this. Uh, I, I grew up Russian Orthodox. I went to church. God was always talked about, wasn't important really. Um, in my early diaries, I pray in writing to God. Um, I hope my sister's nice to me tomorrow or <laughs> like stuff like that. Um, I actually, I was going through my old diaries too and i feel like they're definitely not journals they're diaries because they're, <laughs> they're like they're literally like dear diary dear diary i pray that i do well in school and that boy is like me <laughs> like they're it's like pages of that of being like i think i like so-and-so no wait i think i like so-and-so yep. he doesn't like me though yeah but it's still processing yeah. feelings yeah, yeah. which i think is important and i think for introverts and 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 for people who don't have parents who normalize feelings it's the only way you can kind of go through those things um so energy is what i believe in i think we're all balls of energy spirit souls um whatever that means i don't get too attached to it i, I just let it unfold my biggest thing is like finding my inner self mm. um right now and i think by going in deeper and deeper and deeper Somewhere inside of there is some sort of an answer for your question. I'm just not there yet. Yeah, yeah. That's totally fine. That that totally works. Cool. Yeah. Anything else before I do the, my last questions here? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, so these are ones that I ask everybody at the end. Um, and I just changed them recently, so this is exciting. So we talked a little bit about this, I think, um, in you accessing the woods. Uh, but I'm, I'm very curious and want to understand stillness. Um, and in stillness for me, we access silence. So w what is it that you hear when you access the silence? Um, nothing. Is that an answer? I mean, uh, um, when I access the silence, like, like, what is, I guess, like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, okay. For me, I have a hard time being still. Oh, sure. Uh, and it's because in the stillness, there is silence. And when there is silence, meaning there are no distractions, there are no, um, there are no crutches, there are no coping mechanisms. What I hear are my truths. Mm. And sometimes hearing those truths really hurts. Mm, mm, mm. So for those who are still processing in the silence, you hear truths and traumas that you are ignoring. For those who have processed, um, there are answers. Mm. So what would be in your silence? Uh, um... I feel like the truths and answers go hand in hand. Mm. Um, I can think of one time in particular where I um, knew 
on some level that I need to needed to break up with a boyfriend. Um, but he was so great and he had been my best friend forever. And I like, he had done nothing wrong, Hmm. but it was just over for me. And I could not, I refused to hear it and it would like make me physically ill. And it, you know, it just like built up in my body. Um, and that one was, was one where like in, in the, in the stillness, like the truth and the answer came as a package deal. Hmm. Um, and I think that sometimes happens where like the truth and the answer, um, they come together. Hmm. And, um, at least for me Mm -hmm. where like the truth is the, the really, really, really hard one to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, and the answer is exciting, but you like don't get to get there until you've, especially for that one, which is like, it breakups are hard. It's hard to tell someone that you don't love them anymore. And, um, and I didn't do a good job of it. Hmm. I did not handle it well. Um, so I hope that I can do, if I have to do it again, I'll do a better job. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I think both. Hmm. Um, how do you let go? How do I let go? Um, I think, uh, movement, movement, Mm -hmm. lots of, lots of dancing. Um, that's definitely it. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely go out dancing, um, to do it. Sometimes it's alone. Sometimes it's with other people. Um, yep. That's how I do it. Mm -hmm. What is your deepest desire? My deepest desire. Wow. Um, my deepest desire. I think it's to have, um, I think it's like, to be able to do what I love with a person that I love. Mm. I think that's what it is. Mm. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. What are you responsible for in your life right now? Um, I am responsible for um, driving correctly. Mm. Uh, So operating a motor vehicle, my student loans, my rent. I am responsible for getting places on time, responding to emails, um, responsible for making artwork, whether I feel like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I am responsible for eating food each day, drinking enough water. Um, I'm responsible for n- not drinking mm-hmm. and um, remembering to exercise or finding ways to, to, to integrate it into my life. That's what I'm, yeah. Place us uh, somewhere within your childhood from birth to 20. Uh, A memory that comes up immediately for you. Let us know where we are, how old you are, and what you're doing and feeling at that moment. Okay. I think I'm in... I think it's preschool. I was growing up. I was 
obsessed with ballet and not just any ballet, but Russian ballet, mm. the Kirov Ballet School. Mm. Could not get enough of it. Like specifically that school. Mm. And I built a stage out of like building blocks, which was like totally impractical. And I wore a ballerina outfit and I made everyone watch me dance. Hmm. Hmm. So preschool would be what? Like, I think it was like five, huh. but I remember it because yeah, I, I remember doing that. Hmm. So usually after this question, I ask what would that five-year-old version of you say to you now? I suppose they pe- kids talk at five. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so what do you think she would say and think about you now? Um, I think that she would, I think, I think she would, she would be like, you're doing fine. Just like, like, just, just like, I don't know. There was like a, um, I think that she would be like, just be funny. Mm. Like, or like. I don't need to try so hard to be maybe like poignant. Like there's something in like the humor of just being like the absurdity of just being a, a person that's like enough. Mm. Um, you know, like, or, or just like make everyone watch you if you feel like it. Or I don't know, like, I don't know why I did that, but yeah, maybe something like that. Mm. Perhaps something to consider. I know. <laughs> Um, and finally, the last question is, um, I always ask everyone to answer this, uh, to fill in this, the sentence, Alianka, you really should be asking this. What do you feel I should be asking? Um, I feel like a lesson I've learned from you is that there are no shoulds. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> um, but maybe a, a question you could be asking, mm-hmm. you would choose to ask. Um, okay. This one's so hard. I feel like I saw this one coming. Uh, and I didn't prepare, which is appropriate, mm-hmm. but, um, maybe I'll just dovetail off my last answer. Like what makes you really laugh? Mm. Like what makes your belly hurt with laughter? Or maybe like, when was the last time? Mm. Um, when was the last time you laughed so hard? Um, I don't know if you remember what we were, oh yeah, I do. I'm trying to think. It's like not, you know, the retelling is not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, the girl whose podcast I listened to, um, uh, Marley, I went to visit her and we'd never met in person. We only knew each other from the internet. And I was like, yo, can I come stay with you in her? She lives in like this small town in California. And she was like, yes, you should come stay with me. Um, we've been like internet friends for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which, w- so that was like a f- really fun experience to like, and, um, on the last day I was there, we just had like so much, st- we had started making stuff and like together at, she had a studio space and we just had so much stuff that we wanted to get done. And we just knew there was never going to be enough time to do all this stuff and the sewing and quilting that we wanted to do. And we were just like on the beach doing this installation like carrying shapes through the sand and it was so much work and like just in this situation we were like trying to think about all the ways that we could just stay up all night and like drink the five hour energies and (laughs) like which are disgusting Mm -hmm. um 
you're like this is sponsored by them don't say that no no <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> um uh i don't even know we were just like laughing so hard and i yeah mm. somehow at that mm -hmm. it is the most underrated thing yeah. like laughing so hard that your belly yeah. hurts yeah and it just changes everything i know i know yeah Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Um, for me, this was really timely because hearing you talk about your process and trusting your movement and creating space to respond, I mean, it just couldn't come at a better time. Great. I'm so glad to hear that. So, yeah. Thank you for uh, sharing yourself and your story today. Um, and I guess lastly, where can people find your work? Um, you can find it on Instagram mm -hmm. at Ellen Rutt or on my website, which is just ellenrutt.com. Mm -hmm. um, and where are you going next? I am here in Detroit for until December. Um, and then I'm going to do a residency in Brooklyn for two months. Cool. And then um, L.A. and I think Vienna, and a residency in Vienna. And I'm applying to just like other residencies and also applying to grad school and just like throwing stuff out there and being mm. like, hey, I'm available. Let's see what happens. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. For more on Ellen, log on to my website, aliankalarianov.com slash pod slash Ellen Rutt. That's E-L-L-E-N-R-U-T-T. -T. Make sure to follow her on all her social medias. Every one of them is at Ellen Rutt. 